Hello, welcome to the Pitch Proper Yank, the show where we talk about soccer, footy, football, whatever you want to call it. Specifically, we cover English Premier League as well as Major League Soccer. My name is Alana Gaffney and I'm your host. Let's get into it. All right, so this is the first ever episode. Thank you so much for being here. This pod stemmed from me falling in love with EPL and wanting to learn more about Major League Soccer and really just being able to share some of my experiences. This first episode's really going to go into the focus of the why behind the pod. For me in this pod, it's all about a feeling. So I'm talking about that type of feeling that you want to bottle. When you're watching your team for the last 40 minutes fight an opponent you really don't know where it's going to go and you finally see them break away and score type of feeling. Or honestly, the opposite, where you're looking and you're watching these players that you recognize and you watch every week and wonder who these degenerate body doubles are because the lads don't play like this type of feeling. So I, I know you know it. If you're interested at all in sports, you're definitely familiar. I mean, I know exactly, there's so many good feelings on this, but sometimes for some reason, it's always easier to remember the bad ones. I remember one of the first Manchester United games when I was following them, really just to see what the heck Ronaldo was going to do when he made his big return in 2020. Well, I was watching this game in March, 2022. And the first time I ever saw Harry Maguire play, Harry, big head Maguire, man's got a big head. I saw him uh, like score an own goal on Manchester United and I was literally like, this is the team that we decided to follow. Anyway, so that is kind of what we're investigating and going through for this, for today's episode. And you might've noticed the title. So it's the hope that kills you. There's going to be more on that later. All right. I do need to give you a little bit of my uh, background as the host and to really just to understand how we got here and where we're going. So I am an American woman uh, from the Northeast, specifically from the Boston area. So I was never really into watching sports. I was nervous because there's so, so many dynasties, so many sports dynasties in the Northeast of the United States. If you aren't familiar, like if you're talking about American football, there's going to be the Patriots. If you're talking about ice hockey, it's the Bruins. If you're talking about basketball, it's the Celtics. You're talking about the Red Sox, which have this wild history. Anyway, there's plenty of sports that have some, like a sordid and rich tradition. I definitely noticed that there were like the type of women who would just like get dressed up, but never learn anything about the sport, never really actually follow the team. I didn't want to be that. I didn't really want to just be like a pick me girl, but I can understand now just looking at it that, I mean, they were getting into it. They were getting into the entire culture of the thing. They were understanding why sports betting, like or betting pools were fun. I guess I just get it now. Beyond that, a couple of things that are important to note. I have a lot of friends who are really into reality TV. I'm not kind of like that kind of girly and and didn't necessarily have too much of a hobby. And I think for me right now, like self-directing and learning more and, and really like jumping into like a sport as a hobby was something that was really cool for me. So fast forward my introduction to EPL. So I got into it a couple of years ago with my boyfriend at the time. So we watched Green Street Hooligans. So if you haven't seen this movie, it is Elijah Wood, Charlie Hunnam, and a ton of other people that you'd probably recognize from like, what I feel, I don't know, 90s, 2000s. Awesome movie. Very interesting. I thought the entire thing was like really dramatized, but I think in some, in, in some ways it was. 
But it definitely shows fan culture as an English Premier League fan. And honestly, it made me want to be a West Ham fan. So I became a little West Ham girlina from watching that movie. So from there, after watching it, we kind of learned as much as we absolutely could. And we were like teaching ourselves about the format of the game for English Premier League specifically. We learned about like management. We learned about the transfer window. We were learning about just like every piece of it. But uh, like all of that is well and good, but you've got to just watch the games. Like that's the whole point of it. So we were like, oh, we wanted, we started watching them at home. Games on the Northeast of the United States, if you aren't, or aren't familiar, it can be really early in the morning. So there were t- like certain games are at like 7 a.m. There are games at 9, there are some at 10.30, there are some at 12.30. We were like, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually watch this out? So we found a West Ham pub to watch. So we actually went to the Banshee Boston. If you haven't already been, it's phenomenal. So it is, I think it's, I always mix it up. It's Dorchester or South Boston, but it's right around there. It's right around the line. And we started going like every other weekend, a couple of times a weekend. So we were doing Saturday and Sunday games because in the schedule can be a little funky with English Premier League because they're planning around so many other European tournaments. So we really were getting quite into it uh, for the season that we got into it. But just to set the scene and kind of describe this experience for you, I told you these games are early. So it's like 10 a.m. on a Sunday. It's We're in Massachusetts. So there's blue state blue laws that are in effect where you can't drink before a certain time. So everyone's kind of just waiting with their like little coffee or tea kettle so that they can get served a Guinness. So we're getting these, like having a Guinness or a cider at that time. And it doesn't, what we learned with this bar, it doesn't matter what month or time of year, this pub is as dark as night, like always. All you're seeing is the bright like glow of the TV screen. And they always have like at least, I would say if there's like four games going, they'll always have at least four up. So you're just darting from screen to screen. So I'm describing a sports bar at this point. But this one, I would say, is pretty special. So we started doing this, having an amazing time. We're like, we need to invite our friends. So we started doing that. And we were realizing there's just too many friends for like a text or a text would be out of hand. Uh, so we started a newsletter, as dorky as that sounds. Big Ups Yank Report. If you followed Yank Report, if you received it, I love you. And we were sending this out like every week or every two weeks. Or especially in front of big events. We were doing it in front of the World Cup. We were doing it in front of the FA Cup. Like any big games or big tournament series, we'd really try to make sure that we were talking about it. And we started doing sports pools. So, and this was the first time that I've ever enjoyed being in a pool. And it's really stinking fun. And it gets you to like actually sit there and like watch a series from start to finish, like going into those, the group stage, the quarter, like the quarterfinals, semifinals, I'm going to mix up the ones, whatever, all the way end up ending up going to the final. This is actually a pretty good segue to get into what I'm calling the tipping point for like Americans in soccer. So if we're talking about the 2022 World Cup final, I hope you got to see it. But if you didn't, I'm going to set a little bit of a scene here. So it was Argentina versus France. France are like uh, had recently won the World Cup. Both teams, of course, are stacked. Like there's phenomenal players on both sides. And if you're going to think of iconic people, so there's Mbappe for France, and then there's Lionel Messi for Argentina. But honestly, it just really looked like it was the entire Argentina te- team playing Mbappe. It was really not France's best game. They weren't in phenomenal form. 
But I think, so the score was at like 2-2 and they were about ready to finish the second half. And if they did not, if someone did not score, then they were going to go to penalty kicks. So they're in the 90th minute and Messi ends up missing like the winning shot to take it to 3-2. And I look around and I realize that everyone who I am with watching this game, and there's like 15 of us, we're in a house, they're all standing. And it's like a collective realization that soccer is not boring like they understand now that like this is actually really cool and insane to watch I don't know you should know in terms of like history Argentina ends up uh, like winning the game huge game unbelievable but all of that to say when our friends really started liking soccer we liked getting people involved and we just kept going with it Uh, So we continued with the pools. Uh, So we did an English Premier League pool for the spring just to have it finish out and see if folks could predict that. And we finished out the season. And then it was really for me. I know I was thinking, like, what is the next step here? What is the end game? And, you know, I got to thinking. So when the transfer window sort of opened up for the summer and Lionel Messi got signed to Inter Miami, I was like, this is a sign. So if I imagine folks are familiar, it's that name that folks seem to know in the world. Every single Inter-Miami game what is now sold out for the entire season. And to put this in a little bit of perspective, like we're going to dive into what MLS, Major League Soccer is all about. They were the absolute, as of right now, they are the worst team out of the 29 teams in MLS. They have this, They have the lowest score. And they just signed the person with, uh, like, I don't even think it's an argument, the most star power in the world. So all of, again, tipping point. I think we're just at a point where Americans are fascinated with seeing, like, it's a soccer name they know. And they're ready to engage and get involved. So my next step, I was like, shoot, well, I'm not going to stop following English Premier League because I'm a fan of that. And I'm like, at this point, I'm too hooked. So I think... Let's talk about it. We're going to talk about English Premier League, but I'm going to learn about Major League Soccer. So let's spread that good word of soccer to Americans. We're going to learn about it together. I'm stoked. I think the other thing that I want to make sure that I talk about kind of in this initial episode is kind of like what it means. So it's a few things. What it means to be a fan of sports, what it means to be a soccer fan, what it means to be an EPL fan, and how that hopefully is all going to apply to MLS So if we're talking about what it means to be a fan of sports, and I'm talking about a real fan, like not a bandwagon fan, not a pick me, not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like you are a fan of a sport with that, you're with them when they win, you're with them when they lose, you learn the players, you learn the game, you engage in the rivalries, maybe you have merch, uh, you support the decisions they make, even if they're a bit controversial. Uh, The games literally make you feel like you have the opportunity to get lost in something. You are entirely present in that moment when your team is playing because you are a part of something bigger than yourself. That is what I'm talking about in terms of fandom. Let's narrow it in, right? So what it means to be a soccer fan. So if you're following soccer, things you probably already know, but if you're not, like it's not necessarily a high scoring game, though it can be. So let's just do a comparison because that's going to feel nicer. So if we're talking about soccer, like it is a high scoring game if if one of the teams scores seven goals in a game. If you're talking about like basketball, I mean, you might get to the triple digits when you're talking about points. So it's not the same type of situation. If you're talking about it like American football, you're going to get much higher in points than you're going to get in soccer. So really, when you're a soccer fan and you're watching a game, you're really in it for the long haul. 
in, in terms of buildup of strategy to get those points. I think another really important thing about soccer fans, so they play almost all year round, at least if you're talking about English Premier League. They really, what, what do they kick off in August and they end in like May, June. So there are a couple, I mean, there's the winter break and then there's like a month and a half to two months over the summer, but they're practicing all the time. There's almost always something that you can watch though. Let's be real between all of the tournaments. I feel like the barrier to entry to play a game, like a pickup game of soccer, like as a fan is, is pretty small, but you can certainly appreciate the physical prowess that so many of the plays you see take and, and like not be able to understand it and think that it's quite literally not, not possible. So I think that that's something else that's, that's really cool about that. I think just as many other sports have, certainly soccer has a strategy to learn that you can opt to learn as much as you want about or opt to not. I think it's more engaging and fun to actually learn more about it. Something that might surprise some people, I, I don't know though that it should, is there's a ton of money in soccer particularly in English Premier League, but it's all over the globe. There, a ton of money being funneled into soccer. In terms, I think in any sport, you can certainly relate to hating the ref or not agreeing with a ref's call. VR, VAR checks for soccer, I think, is a whole different level uh, where you're seeing there's so much anticipation. The game is literally paused until they figure it out. And a lot of those decisions are super contentious. The other super interesting thing that kind of jolts people when they first start watching some professional soccer is the ability to draw on matches. That's something that is a little bit, and, and sometimes how that interacts where teams end up on the table can be really fascinating. All right, let's connect this to EPL. So in terms of why, and this is why I think it's really special to be an English Premier League fan, there are a ton of teams, like way more than you think, in the United Kingdom for soccer. So most cities, it feels like in the UK have a soccer team. It's a big deal if you are a larger city and you don't. The rivalries are historic. They are vitriol. It's not only bad blood, but it's old bad blood. It really, like we're talking about at least decades. In some cases, their rivalries for 100 years or plus. The fan culture is what drew me to it. It is wild. It is full immersion. Uh, your schedule, your schedule, your personal life schedule is around the fixture. Your routines are fixed around the games. You have rituals, like actual rituals per match. It's not just the big games. It's all the games. Like there's the pub culture, the season ticket holder. Like it's just what you do. And then the other thing that's really interesting, and I told you that I ended up watching this movie, but hooliganism so it's not just like an, an old timer's way of saying troublemaker. It's a term that's specific to soccer fans, particularly in Premier League or the UK. And it's a little wild. It's So it's not like cute troublemaker. It's like you're breaking laws and you're beating the shit out of people, troublemaker. So you're loving your team so much that you commit crimes and you might hurt people. That's my understanding of it. You see it, uh, they kind of downplay it. They're like, oh, it's not really like the movies or whatever they depict in this. But then you see all the news stories about how fans got in absolute brawls and you're like, oh, shoot, hooligans exist. Or there was like, I'm trying to remember which game it was. I, I know it was Conference League and I don't know if it was the Conference League final. So it was West Ham. Who were they playing? I think they were playing Fiorentina at Lake Florence. 
And the amount of like trash and debris that fans who were just mad were throwing at players was terrible. I'm like, you can trace a lot of things to hooliganism and not particularly love that. So all of that to say, that's kind of EPL culture. culture. I think the, the other big thing that I want to connect back to EPL and note that it's, it, it is a huge influence on fandom. It is a huge influence just generally on the format is the system of promotion and relegation. I'm going to explain this better in episode two, but I'm going to give you a very loose definition so that you're able to follow this example. The way this works, so English Premier League has 20 teams. It's the top tier of the of UK football, so soccer. But for the purpose of, again, this, I'm going to just keep referring to it as soccer. You have to keep your spot. Essentially, what ends up happening is at like you score points, you get points from winning, from drawing. You don't, and and there are other like differentials that determine your place on the table. The bottom three teams are booted into tier two. That's right; they are removed from tier one, and they are now playing in tier two. The top three teams from tier two are brought up to compete in tier one. If this seems wild to you, it truly is. There is, and if it seems like, oh, well, it's not like a huge deal, it makes a huge deal. It really impacts the bottom line in terms of financing for the team. There's like contracts that have to, there's like contract clauses that are hugely specific to relegation. It can really mess up your stuff. And then beyond that, if you're a fan and you're proud of your EPL team and your team goes down, I mean, that's just a huge hit to the ego. But anyway, let's connect back to this. To bring up a specific example from this past season. So I was watching the final West the final West Ham United game, which is the team that I follow. Was They were playing Leicester City. Leicester City had a shit go of it this year. That being said, I can't say much because West Ham didn't do that well either. So I'm obviously watching for West Ham though. and But I'm, I'd be okay if Leicester won. They kind of, they needed the win. That was my perspective going into the game. So these final games of the season are positively bananas because teams are fighting to stay in tier one. They feel bloody. They are go, go, go. They like everything is on the line. It is a huge deal. So really, uh, Lester ended up winning 2-1. And while I was like, oh, shoot, not my team. But at the same time, I'm happy for them. They I mean, like they their team has a cool story. I'm like, I want them to stay in the league. I just have taken a shine to them. What was so interesting and something that I hadn't seen, I don't think I had stayed and watched it on a TV that long before, but so in the stadium, people celebrate the win. They celebrate it for what felt like 30 seconds, which is not normal. The Leicester fans then all stayed standing, like many of them stayed standing, and they were almost silent. The commentator still kept going. So Peter Drury was actually the, the British sports commentator. He works for like NBC Sports and Sky News. Um, or Sky Sports, and he is he's still commenting as this is going. So he's remarking on the fact that every single fan has like a radio or a phone out, um, and they are watching another game, which seems like, okay, well, that's kind of rude. No, not really. So uh, really how this ended up working is, yes, they needed to win this game, but they were also reliant that like Everton was not going to pull out a win. If Everton did win, then it didn't matter that they won they were still going to be relegated. At that point, that's when Peter Drury ended up saying, it's the hope that kills you. 
this moment, I just feel like fully defines EPL fandom for me. I feel like it's like I felt it. Like I felt that anxiety. Like I felt that like sitting there and waiting. I was rooting at that point for Bournemouth, which if you know anything about me, like, no, like I don't normally do that. I'm sorry, Bournemouth, just not a huge fan. So in that last minute effort, Everton like beat Bournemouth and it didn't matter that Leicester City had pulled their win out and the sorrow, like the pure sorrow that just came from that was absolutely positively wild. So all of that to say that special feeling, we are chasing that feeling. I want to do that. I, I like want to learn about this with you. We're going to be fans together. We're going to watch soccer together. We're going to talk about soccer together. We're going to listen about soccer together listen to whatever you positively can. So I can definitely recommend at least a few podcasts. So if you're not already familiar, the two Robbies, so it's hosted by Robbie Earl and Robbie, oh, another Robbie. Uh, They're both uh, former professional soccer players. They focus on the English Premier League. It has analysis, there's insights. It's it's definitely uh, good to start with. I think beyond that, Men in Blazers is super popular. It's hosted by Roger Bennett and Michael Davies. So it really combines soccer analysis with pop culture references. It covers EPL matches, major tournaments, and it's it's funny. So I would go for that as well. If you want to empower some women, please go for it. So the Women's World Football Show, it only covers women's uh, soccer, and it's hosted definitely a different perspective. I would recommend that too. There are a ton of podcasts about soccer. I I haven't heard as much as I would like commentary dive into Major League Soccer, so I'm doing this one. Uh, so the point of this is really to get into it, learn, and have fun, and I want you to do it with me. All right, so to give you an idea of how we're moving forward on this and to give you like the preview, luckily for you, there are already uh, two other episodes that are out. So episode two is an overview of like Major League Soccer and English Premier League. So it talks about what some of those similarities are and what a lot of the differences are. Uh, really setting the stage, getting us ready for episode three, which is the season preview. So I'm saying season preview for English Premier League because it has not started yet. It is by, depends when you're listening to this, but I will say like it's starting mid-August. Beyond that, we are going to do like kind of like a season update of where we are for Major League Soccer, keeping in mind the timeline is different. So they start in March. So they're well into their season at this point. Do you like where this is going? Good. If you enjoy this episode, do me a favor and review five stars and listen to the next couple too. I, I just would absolutely love to have you. Thank you so much for listening to the first ever Pitch Proper Yank podcast. I'm so excited to continue on with you. Until next time, Yanks.